Welcome to Sunday's Lesson with Lane. In this podcast, we will listen to Lane Brown's sermon this past week at the Chandler Street Church of Christ in Kilgore, Texas. We hope this message blesses you as you strive to grow closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. This time I did remember I was supposed to be up here, so that's a good thing. Um, Happy Father's Day, like I said, to all the fathers out there. We got some brand new fathers, and we've got some some in here that are uh, gonna fathers to be uh, real soon. So, happy Father's Day to all of all of you. And uh, I, when I think of Father's Day, first I think of a time when. I just fell madly in love, head over heels in love. I was about 19 years old, maybe 20 years old, um, and Mary and I uh, were were uh, we got together at Camp Deer Run, and Mary went to Harding University, which was in or it still is, I haven't moved it. It's in in Searcy, Arkansas, and I went to Texas A&M at College Station, and we lived. We were eight hours apart. Ugh, can you imagine that? Being in love and eight hours apart. And I decided that I just couldn't take it anymore. We've got to be together. Well, the problem was, uh, you know, we're going to two different universities and uh, we we're both kind of kind of in there. My parents uh, had a house in College Station. I lived with my sister, so it would be quite an expensive transfer to go over there. Um, but... Any price was worth it for her, right? <laughs> yes, I agree with that. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I told my parents, and at first, I think the first time I said, I want to transfer over to Harding. And, and the first time I told them, I don't know uh, how excited they were. They probably were thinking, well, where is this coming from? They, don't, they, 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 know, they knew Mary. They loved Mary. But I think they were just a little worried about price. And so the first talk didn't go too well. Um, I was home for the weekend. And then I went back to College Station. And early the next day, I think it was Monday morning, it might have been Monday or Tuesday, my dad just shows up at the house. And he says, hey, let's go to, uh, let's go to breakfast. And he takes me to Denny's, and I don't remember exactly what ex- was said at, uh, at that, at that uh, dinner, but he just wanted to listen to me and see what I wanted. He wanted to know what I was doing in my life. He wanted to know all these things. about. And, and really, I think he just was there to listen. And um, eventually, Mary ended up transferring down to A&M, and that was wonderful. And I later on, I did go to Harding, and I got a degree. I got my master's there, so that was good. So eventually, I went there. But it was, uh, it was just great to know I had a dad that cared, a dad that was willing to drive the the hour and a half, two hours up early in the morning, just to listen, to find out what was going on in my life. And isn't it beautiful that we have a father that cares? Some of us are in this room and we struggle because we never grew up with a father that cared, at least on earth. But we have a heavenly father that cares about us, that loves us, that just wants to listen to us. Last week, I started talking about John the Baptist, and John the Baptist, as he was, as he was, um, when when God first first told his father uh, Zechariah that he was going to 
Come here and be a joy. Matter of fact, it says in Luke chapter 1, I read this last week, but an angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call him John, and he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Uh, someone last week, I, we were talking, because I talked a lot about Zechariah, and someone said to me, or they were wondering, why am I saying Zechariah and not Zacharias? And the interesting thing is, Luke probably wrote down Zacharias. It depends on what version you have. This is just a little tidbit for all of you guys that, that are wondering this. Um, but Zacharias is the Greek word, and he was a Jewish priest, and so that's why most translations will translate it into Zechariah, which is the Hebrew name. So there you go. Anyone that was wondering last week why it was why it might say something different in your in your version, but why was he a joy? Why was well, God? First thing we heard that our Father listens to us. He hears us when we pray. So we have a Father that cares enough. Out of everyone in this world, He listens to His children. Right? He hears what we we, we have to say, and He cares about us. And He was able to give Zachariah and Elizabeth. A son, and that son was going to be a joy to them. How was John the Baptist a joy to them? Well, when I think about my own children, I look at all the things that they do that just bring me great joy. It is a joy to be a father because, uh, I don't know if y'all were here Wednesday night, Dane led singing, and so many people came up to said, Dane is doing a fantastic job leading singing, and Dane will do almost anything I ask him to help out, if, he, if it's helping out on the computer, doing any of that. He is so willing to help, and that brings me joy. Sydney is probably the most loving in our family, I would say. Sydney never forgets to tell us that she loves us. She never uh, runs, out of, runs out of hugs for us. And that gives me joy in my life to have someone that is so loving. I can't imagine all the things that John the Baptist did to bring joy to his parents, but I know his parents would have been, been, been joyful because the message that he told people a lot of times, Mary and I were talking about last week about John the Baptist and how it was. it's strange that we, we might have discounted how great he was because we started looking at appearances. And they described John the Baptist wearing the camel hair and wearing, and wearing and eating locusts and wild honey, and we think of him as this wild man out in the wilderness. But sometimes don't we just look at appearances and that, and that uh, shapes our thoughts too much of, of how great someone can be? Because John the Baptist had this incredible message to the people. Grab your Bible and open. We're going to be in Luke chapter 3 today. In Luke chapter 3, verse, verse 3, it says, He went out into the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins. It is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. John the Baptist is out there in the wilderness, and he is preaching this idea of repentance, an idea of forgiveness of sins. And people are coming out to the wilderness to hear this message that, Isaiah, or that John the Baptist has. And they're wanting to be baptized and if you think of it, baptism is what, why were they even wanting to be baptized? Why were they, why was this message so, so great to them? If you look at all the people of Israel, 
The only way they could find forgiveness of their sins, the only way they could go to, for repentance, they couldn't go to God alone. They had to go to a priest. Someone else had to offer this on their behalf. As a matter of fact, it's almost just once a year that they offer, they offer the forgiveness or the, the repentance and the, the atonement for the people. And so these people are living with this guilt. And John is this bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Covenant where you're supposed to keep the law, and the New Covenant where you can come to God through your heart, face-to-face -face almost. You, can, you, you don't need anyone else to approach God. And so just because this new covenant is now starting to be formed doesn't mean the old covenant was wrong. If you go to Romans chapter 7, verse 7, it says, Well then, and I'm suggesting the law of God was sinful. Because if we're thinking the new covenant is, is, is uh, the only way to go, the old covenant means nothing. Paul says in Romans, Am I suggesting the law of God was sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed my sin. You see, those of us that have repented of our sins, those of us that have been baptized into Jesus Christ, we still see sin. And it's the law of God that can still show us that there's sin in our life. But there needed to be a new covenant because nothing was good enough to pay for the past sins. I grew up in Houston, Texas, and I grew up going to uh, Houston Astros games. And I would go on, I think it was either Tuesday or Thursday night, me and my friend BC, we would go uh, to the Astros game because it was dollar night, and everything was a dollar. Hot dogs were a dollar, drinks were a dollar, Cokes were a dollar, and we would go sit in the cheap seats for, I don't know, maybe a dollar, I guess, since it was dollar night. And uh, we'd probably spend, we'd spend less than 10 bucks there on, on Tuesday and Thursday, we'd watch the Houston Astros, and they were never great. Actually, 94, I think the year that they closed out, they were pretty good, and then they, they had a suspension or uh, whatever. They, they didn't finish the season. Anyway, a few years back, the Houston Astros won the World Series, right? And the people of Houston were ecstatic. Finally, finally their Astros, who've never won, finally won one. And then what happened this year? Found out that the Houston Astros were cheaters. They were cheaters. And that doesn't make me feel good. I'm not a huge baseball fan, but as an Astro fan, it doesn't make you feel good to find out your team was a cheater. And so what did they do? Well, they had to make a sacrifice for the cheaters, and so they fired the coach, or the GM, or their, man their manager, and they fired the GM... But was that enough? No, people were still angry. They still wanted something more. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. So what do they do? Do they strip them of the title? Would that be enough? Do they kick all the other players out? Would that be enough? There wasn't enough. And I think that's what we're talking about with the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. There's nothing enough. You needed this perfect sacrifice. And John is going to show this way of the perfect sacrifice, something that is going to be sufficient for the sins. Because this lamb that they offer is not going to be enough. They need something perfect, someone perfect, someone holy. And that's Jesus Christ. And because Jesus comes, John says this. This is what's going to happen. He says, every valley, in verse 5, chapter 3, verse 
5. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill be made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all the people will see God's salvation. Every valley will be filled up. Every mountain will be brought down. What does that mean? He is telling us that we are now coming into a time where we all can be on an equal playing field, right? You might have grown up in the church and you, you uh, have lived a Christian life your whole, your whole life and you never missed a Sunday, uh, not counting COVID, right? And so, oh, I'm perfect. I've done, I've done everything I need to be. No. It's still about the repentance of our heart. And so you're now on an equal playing field for those that have maybe struggled and, and they, they, they haven't done this and maybe they didn't grow up in a Christian family. But God is saying we all can come to him equally. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how poor you are. It doesn't matter what your, what your color is. It doesn't matter. We are all on this equal field. It only matters who is coming to, to Jesus Christ. If you've decided to give your life to him. And that's what he's saying is, I've leveled the playing field. It's available for everyone. And the crooked road of trying to follow the law, if you ever look through Leviticus, it's, you'll, you'll, you'll think, man, those are some, some wild laws out there. How do I keep all of those? And we have a pretty easy answer right now. Love the Lord our God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And strength, love, the love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, come to me, right? And follow these two simple laws. He's made the road straight for us in our life. And in verse 6 it says, And all people will see God's salvation. Everyone in this world, whether they have submitted to God now or when he returns again, we will all see Jesus Christ. We will all see the salvation that comes. In, in, in Philippians it says, Every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I hope that you in here are going to make that decision, if you haven't already, to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord. It's beautiful to think that God is no longer just looking for a people of promise, but he is looking for anyone that wants to give our lives to him. In chapter 7, or excuse me, verse th chapter 3, verse 7, it says, John said to the crowd, coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. What's interesting about John is he, uh, he and Jesus, they, they, would, they would be willing to call it like it is. And John is looking out in the crowd, and he's looking at them, and he calls them a brood of vipers. Why does he say that? Because John can tell these people's heart's not right. But is he turning them away when he calls them that? No, because he's being honest with them. And they want to hear this message. And sometimes we need someone to hold us accountable to our actions. Do you have someone in your life that is willing that you are going to let hold you accountable? When you've messed up, when you've sinned, when you've gone down the wrong path, do you have someone in your life that you can listen and maybe hear hard things from them and say, you're right. I've got to. I've got to change the way I'm living. Do you have someone in your life that you can listen to? 
Do we have people that we love and care about and we can go to them and we can feel like we can say in love to them, this is what you need to do to change. I need to do it too. We need to be open to being convicted by the Spirit. Whenever we hear the message from the pulpit or whenever we hear a message, whenever we're reading our, with our scriptures or whenever our godly brothers and sisters in Christ talk to us, we need to have hearts that are re ready to, to hear that. Because he tells them in verse 8, or verse 7, who warns you to flee from the coming wrath? Who warns you? Who, who told you to come out here? Who told you to come out here in the wilderness and be baptized? Do you think that it's kind of interesting that these people all just came out to see him? You see, they were children of the promise. They were children of Abraham, and they came out there to repent of their sins. But that's not how they were ever told how they could be made right with God. Not by going out there and being baptized. That never was something. But So what do we have to assume is that the Holy Spirit, as we talked a couple weeks ago, as the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would come down and, and, and touch people. And I think the Holy Spirit comes down and, and convicts our hearts sometimes. And it sent them out to the wilderness. And that's what I think he's asking is, who told you to come out here? Who told you that, there, that you were in danger of this wrath? He says in verse 8, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We, are, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. So what is this idea of repentance? Repentance means that we need to change how we're living our life. We need to have a totally different mindset to how we're living. When I used to work at Camp Deer and I had, uh, we would go, Mary and I would go up uh, and work the swing during, during retreats during the, uh, during the school year. And I don't really like, like heights and I would climb up this, this, uh, this, uh, these little pegs to get way high in a tree and, and there was a swing that you'd go off and the, and the, and the platform was kind of twisted and it, and it would make you kind of scared to sit there especially if you're a little bit scared of heights. But the longer I sat there, the more comfortable I got, the more I trusted in the ropes that clipped me to the tree. And I think when we repent of our sins, when we try to change our mindset, it's not easy just to do it at first. Just if we have something that we've been struggling with our whole life, it's not easy until we start putting it into practice. Maybe your struggle is to uh, consistently attend attend church with your with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It gets easier the more and more you do it. Maybe your struggle is is uh, anger issues with those outside or with your brothers and sisters. The more we start, we we work on compassion towards others. The easier it gets. So it's consistency that helps change our mind. It's consistency that helps do this. And when we do this, what John is saying is, that's when your fruit is produced. That's whenever your life starts changing. That's when people start seeing the differences in your life. They start seeing more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. When you start practicing this repentance. 
And he says, don't just think that because you're children of Abraham, you don't have anything to worry about. Or he say, just don't think just because your parents were Christians, that your father or mother were Christians, that, that you have nothing to worry about. He's saying this is your own life, your own heart. You can't ride the coattails of, uh, he's telling them, they can't ride the coattails of Abraham. God can create uh, children of Abraham out of, out of stones. He's saying this is your own life. Have your own relationship with God. And so what do you do? How do we make this repentance? What, is he, what does he tell us? As a matter of fact, that's what the people asked John. They said, what should we do then? And John has an answer for them. It says, anyone who has two shirts should share with one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. What is John telling him right here? Anyone who has two shirts should share the, with one that has none. Number one, we need to realize our blessings that God has given us. We need to realize that everything we have has come from God. And if God has blessed you with two shirts and God has blessed you with plenty of food, we need to remember who has given us that blessing because it's so easy for us to think that we did this for ourselves instead of we have been blessed by God for this. And if, if we can finally get to this point of realizing that we have been blessed by God, that should make us, make us change our, our mindset of who this stuff belongs to and then open our eyes to see who's in need. If you have been blessed, you now have an obligation to look for those that are in need. That's what he's saying right here. Look out for others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Look out for the blessings of others it's hard to do because we think it's all us that we everything we have comes from us but we have to remember it comes from God and then he says the tax collectors came to be baptized teacher they asked what should we do don't collect any more than you're required to do he told them it's interesting, people just did not like the tax collectors, and that's probably not changed uh, one bit from Jesus' time till now. The tax collectors are the government, and that's one of the things that we, we argue about is how much taxes we should pay, right? Government's taken too much of our money. So what did Jesus say to these tax collectors? He says, don't take more than you're required to. He didn't say stop being a tax collector. And so we need to start looking at that. It is, it's not, it's not uh, sinful to collect taxes, but it is sinful to collect more than you need. And so what he wants them to know is in your job, whether it's working for uh, the government or whatever you're, you're doing, be honest. Be honest. Don't take more from people than you need. Be honest. And so what we take away from that, if we're in government positions, we need to be honest. We also need to realize that if we're going to elect someone, we need to elect honest people. And then he says to the soldiers, says the sold, some of the soldiers asked him, what should we do? He replied, don't extort money, don't accuse people falsely, and be content with your pay. So who were the soldiers at the time? They were the basic law enforcement. Do you think there's anything going on in our country with, that we have issues with law enforcement or people in this country have issues with law enforcement? Did he say, 
Don't go into law enforcement. No. Stop. Uh, quit. Quit your job as a soldier. No. But what did he didn't tell them to quit their job? There needs to be law enforcement. But he tells them how to do their job. He says, "Don't accuse people falsely." What else could we relate that to right now? Don't profile people by color. Don't go in there and, 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 and accuse people just because they're there by color. You think we're having issues right now because of that? Absolutely we are. And that's what John was telling them. Don't do this. Be honest. Don't abuse your power. We need you, but don't abuse your power. And that's how we should all live in our life of seeing, seeing how, how whatever power God's given us in our life, whether it's fathers out there that are, have power over, over their children, don't abuse that. Be honest with them. You see that? The people heard what, what, what John said. And this was something that just really rung out to them because it's about how to treat people right. It's because they understand that we did receive our blessings from Jesus or from, from, our, from our God. We wanted to be treated right, and so we want to treat other people right, and in their hearts they're thinking, this must be the Messiah. In verse 15 it says, the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. And John answered them, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I will come, who straps... I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He wants to make sure these people realize that the Messiah is coming. That was John's job, was to prepare the way for the Messiah. And he is saying, this baptism is water. This is, this is like a cleansing, but it isn't going to give you what the Messiah's baptism will give him, what the baptism that we practice today, the baptism into Jesus Christ. He says it gives you the Holy Spirit and fire. And we understand a little bit of the Holy Spirit. That's what we've been talking about is that the Holy Spirit, we just sung the song of the Holy Spirit dwell in me. Why do we want the Holy Spirit to dwell in us? Because the Holy Spirit gives us comfort in times of pain. We have three folks in our congregation that lost a parent. Um, Howard's not in our congregation now, but he, he was. Um, and what can, what can give you this comfort but the Holy Spirit when you've lost someone you loved? And, all, and several in here have lost someone they love. There might be uh, those that are struggling right now with Father's Day because their father wasn't the loving, caring father. And the Holy Spirit gives you this comfort from the pain that you're feeling right now and helps you realize who is truly your Father, our God in heaven, that loves us, hears us, cares about us. What else does the Holy Spirit do? It convicts us of our sins. When we need to repent to God, the Holy Spirit tells us not to do something or maybe that we should do something or being led by the Spirit. And we're going to talk a little bit about that next week of being led by the Spirit, of how to answer the Spirit's call. The Holy Spirit gives us boldness to reach out to others and tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. When we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. No small gift. It's a gift that will help us in this repentance because we are going to struggle 
each and every day with the sins that we have in our life, but the Holy Spirit helps us through that. And then Jesus says, or John says about Jesus, the Holy Spirit also, or the baptism also brings fire. And this one's a little more confusing, and you probably can uh, find many different, different ideas of what Jesus or John is talking about when he talks about fire, but one of the things that I think he's talking about is the fire that separates us, that separates us from being united with our God and being separated from him for eternity. And we don't ever like to talk much about hell and the fires of hell, but what is hell? It is full separation from God. Why did Jesus come to this earth? He came to die for us, for us to accept this message and to keep us from separation from eternity without God. Jesus didn't come to this earth to die for us so that we wouldn't accept this message. He knows a life without him, the best way they can describe it is, is a consuming fire. Every time Jesus talks about it in the, in, the, in the Gospels, he's saying this is nothing that you want. He refers to it as weeping and gnashing of teeth. He doesn't want you to have this life, and that's why he's saying there's a beautiful alternative. I want no one, no one in this world to suffer life without God. And so I've offered you this. I've offered you this, this uh, chance to live with God and live with the Holy Spirit in your life to guide you and to help you. And there's also going to be grace when we mess up. And that's a beautiful thing, and that's what God wants us to do is to go to him. And so the message is yours today to realize, do you want to accept this message of, of John, this message of Jesus Christ, to accept this idea of repenting of our sins, turning away, changing our mindset, and going to a God that loves us, a God that loves us so much that he's saying, I'm willing to dwell within you. I'm willing to give you my spirit to dwell within you. And it will keep you from eternal separation with me. That's all God ever wanted for us to be made right with him. That's why he sent this perfect sacrifice. So if you need that sacrifice in your life, if you haven't, you haven't been baptized into Jesus Christ, I hope that you heard the message. I hope that it touched your heart just like it touched all those that went out to John uh, to be baptized. I hope it touches your heart. And you can receive that gift today. But if you've already made that decision, you probably still have to work on some repentance. And so this is a good chance for us to change in our hearts to decide, how can I live better for you? How can I answer the Spirit's call? God's given you this beautiful gift of the Spirit that teaches you and convicts you and comforts you. Answer the Spirit's call while we stand and sing. Thank you for joining Sunday's lesson with Lane. I pray you are blessed by this message and that you will join us next week as we dive into the encouragement God gives us in his word.